Welcome back to Nearbound Marketing. I'm Logan Lyles with Teamwork.com. I'm joined today by Blake Williams. He's the CEO of Amp Factor. Blake, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Logan. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. This conversation has been a long time coming and it's really timely too, as we talk about what nearbound marketing is. I think people are starting to understand that, but the questions now are, are around, what does that mean? How do we execute it? And we're going to get into some of those tactics, but first I've got to ask you about this fairly hot take I've seen from you on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. uh, that you've been starting this drumbeat of there's actually this myth around quote unquote, creating demand. What do you mean by the myth of creating demand? Right. Uh, it's a good question. And yeah, it's kind of a hot take, you know, given that the, the pervasive uh, narrative is that uh, you have to go out and create demand so you can capture it and then you can convert it and then you can care for it. Right. Um, in reality, and it might just be my economics background or data science, but when I start to observe what we, we see empirically happen is that there is some sort of pain or desire that constantly exists uh, in the state of just being this homeostasis state of all products and all services that are already out there where our customer base or whatever our population is, they have a need that's basically going unmet with the current solution or they have expectations and there's a distance between the current solution and those expectations. New solutions may bring you closer to those expectations. They may solve for it or take you beyond it, depending on how innovative you are when you solve for the product. But we don't actually create demand. It's always there. It's latent. It's un unmet expectations. And, uh, we can, we can harvest it. And that's probably about the best that we can do um, as marketers. So would you say what people are uh, delineating between capturing demand and creating demand, is it more about kind of unearthing and making, making people aware of that gap and giving some language to it, that sort of stuff. And it sounds like that's similar, but I think your main issue is that we're not actually creating it, but we're taking it from maybe unknown or as you said, latent to, to more known. Is that right. fair to say? It is. It is. Uh, the problem is that, so you're hitting on two key subjects there. One, you're not alleviate just because we changed the way that we talk about it does not alleviate you from the responsibility of creating something innovative or different for the customer. It also doesn't alleviate you or unburden you with the, the job of achieving distribution, right? In the right channels. You still have to do those two things no matter what, uh, to make it known, right? And to make it accessible, make it easy to understand all those things. But the problem is vastly different. If you say to a marketer, Hey, go create demand for this. It's super intangible. It's very vague. What do you even mean? Whereas if I say like when we talk about nearbound and how do we leverage what we do there, um, we're trying to sell tall, deep, and wide into each other's customer populations, right? Usually we bring that all the way down to a single persona within a vertical so that we can tell our better together story in a way that resonates on a single landing page and there's no amount of ambiguity, right? I'm already using half your solution, say it's HubSpot, and the other half might be quota path and I'm trying to figure out how to optimize and pay my sellers on time, right? You hit me with that ad, I already have unmet demand or expectations because I have a problem. I'm trying to pay my sellers faster, better, smarter, all those things. You hit me with that better together story. You've now harvested that demand. You've solved, you've solved the problem. You didn't create anything because you created that inter that integration. There was no demand that you created, right? So that's kind of the, the, the logic there. 
Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about how this harvesting of demand and as you said, closing the gap between either the the unmet expectations and the potential solution. It may be that there's a solution already out there, or it may be that you you are in the process of innovating to create that solution. Right. What, what does all this mean for a nearbound marketing approach? Why why does why is nearbound important if this is actually the situation when we talk about uh, creating and capturing demand? Right, um, I, it's a it's a it's a perfect scenario, and this is kind of why we run ABM solely in uh, between partners on Better Together stories is because um, ABM is really really effective at doing acceleration uh, movements, um, mid funnel to lower funnel. Um, beyond awareness and engagement for cold, cold outbound. Um, if we think about what happens between two partners, again, that same scenario where I've already got HubSpot and I'm looking for a solution to pay uh, my sellers better or faster, pay out those commissions. Um, when we think about all the things that are possible in the realm of how do I go create demand, your mind could go everywhere with that. When we think about... Okay, this customer population that my partner has, there's 50 accounts in there. There's, you know, 50 general people who fit that persona who have an unmet need. That's way easier to solve for. The realm of things that you're going to come up with are going to be way tighter, way more focused and way more, probably way more effective than trying to go create demand out in this cloud of an audience that, that hypothetically exists. Right. So that's what starts to change is the, the, the tactics and the behavior, the way you think, the way you orchestrate data and the way you bring in other functional elements becomes very, very different. Yeah. So let's dive in there. What have been some of the plays that either you guys at AmpFactor or some of the folks in your network or some of your customers as you're talking to marketers, what are some of these plays where they're recognizing, okay, if we're going to take a nearbound marketing approach yep. rather than just going out to the market more broadly, let's specifically focus on a list of, of target accounts, which makes sense, right? Because a lot of uh, partnerships, a lot of the nearbound movement has been focused on that co-selling motion. So right. let's not go from co-selling to marketing far and wide, right? right? Let's just go one layer from, I don't care what anybody says, sales and marketing are different, yeah. but let's just go to the, that those ABM plays. What are some of those tactics? What are some of those plays that you see folks running that are effective given what we're talking about? Yeah. I love that you said that. Uh, I made a, a post, probably another hot take that, you know, Focusing on co-selling is like uh, focusing on touchdowns and instead of focusing on how to train like a winner, um, eat right, train right, practice right, think, you know, drill on the right things and constantly drive towards perfection in that practice over the long term. That to me is good marketing and good marketing ends up driving that co-sell flywheel all day long. That's how you sustainably live off that thing and feed those sellers. And that's your true uh, like two-partner play is to do re really, really focused and strategic disciplined marketing. Um, some of the tactics that we see play, one that I often recommend is like, if you're if this is your first time out there as a marketer and you're trying to figure out, I've got this nearbound data, let's, that's kind of nebulous too. Let's just say we have 50 overlapping accounts. What we want to do is ask our partner to go out and ask a couple questions that will, you know, unveil some first party intent, right? So in the HubSpot situation, Quotapath could ask HubSpot to go to the top 50 customers that they want to make an introduction to or want to see if they can do an intro to and just 
ask them either in a survey or some way, pay them for you know uh, earbuds or whatever it might be. Find a way to extract the information of, are you struggling with paying your sellers on time? Um, or do you do it too slow? Would you rather do it faster? Any of those things, that's first-party intent. Way better yeah. than anything you're going to get from Bombora. I love them. It takes first-party, second-party, third-party data all the time. But if you can take that and go manufacture first-party intent, it becomes second party intent when you share it with your partners. And then the list of 50 is now down to 12. Those 12, you can take that budget that you were going to use on all 50 and just fold it in on creating something very, very unique for those 12. And maybe it's only 12, 12 people, right? We talk about yeah. 12 accounts. It's really just 12 people. So why don't we get you as a marketer to talk to the marketer at that, that other company and just record 12 videos? Let's stretch it out over a six-week period. You do two videos uh, a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, as a CMO or a VP of Demand Gen. And then when we get that video, that's what we orchestrate and mobilize in our outbound, right? It's that personal message from me to Logan to say, hey, look, you know, I'd love to invite you to come consider this with us. If nothing else, it would just be a good buying experience. Um, you can stop sorting through you know, all the mess, but we feel like if you're, if you're shooting for this, we've got the best solution for it. Um, it's a way better deal. Plus, if they're strategic accounts, the AOV should make sense mm -hmm. if they made it into that batch anyway. Now your ROI on mobilizing that cross-functional execution is significantly higher. And that's true ABM. Had nothing to do with display ads. It was mm -hmm. just about intention. It was about consideration and trying to actually you know, care for that buyer's journey. Uh, I love so much about what you just said there. I mean, super tactical, uh, extracting that first party intent. Like you said, the, the demand is there. It might not be known. It's about, you know, harvesting it, uh, before you can, you can capture it. Um, yeah. it's about unearthing it and making it visible. So it's a great way to do that for a couple clarifying questions, Blake, cause I think this is something that our listeners could take and, and run with tomorrow. Right. Tell me a little bit about that scenario. Are you talking about, hey, there's these 50 overlapping accounts that are, let's say we're talking about our two companies. We're talking about teamwork.com and, and Amp Factor. Yep. 50 accounts that are maybe our target accounts that are already your customers. Yes. You're going to them to to really define out of that. Where is the intent within those? And then we're doing some content together. And then what are your thoughts on maybe the structure of those videos, how to get them? It sounds like I'm on the right path with who the target overlap is that we're talking about. Yep. Talk to me a little bit more about the execution there. Yeah. Yeah. If you, uh, so I, I love peer to peer because it just doesn't get done enough. Um, it's like principal led sales. That's how a lot of, uh, startups get off the ground to 10 million even. So why not use it on a routine practice? Right. And you can do that from multiple C suites instead of just burdening one. But the, 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 the motion, the tactical motion there is that the, uh, the partnership leader ends up you know, contacting the head of marketing or whoever their, their counterpart is there. And they, once we have these overlaps, they say, look, let's, let's create some exclusion here. We're going to, we're going to find out if we can create some first party intent here. If we can create some first party intent, I want you to suppress these accounts from any of your, your target lists. So one, we can get attribution, but we're running this together. So, you know, we, we're both going to get credit for that. Um, and then really just, marketing, somebody on the marketing team, our job would be that I would write, our team would write the script for you. We would tell you how long it should be about what it should sound like. We'd read it out loud with you a couple of times. We'd, we'd modify it a little bit. And then you just get on zoom and record it. It doesn't have to be super high def, none of that high production value stuff. People just want real people reaching out. And if you're trying to solve my problem, then 
I'll give you 15, 20 minutes to tell me about how you think you can do it. Um, the real, the real easy way to orchestrate that is to, on behalf of, if you're going to do it in sales loft or something like that, you want to take that, take that email or put it in outreach as a snippet, upload it, find the right SDR to do that. Or, uh, again, do it on behalf of, you could do it all. You could also do it in follows on behalf of, so any of that on behalf of play is the easiest way to set that C-suite person up. So they give you the content, you can go refine it. You can strap an intro and outro to it if you want to. Um, but give them, give them a way to, t- to have a CTA on it. The CTA could either be just a reply back or it could be with an admin CC there. You know, Jenny's here to start to start to schedule with you if you can do this in the next two weeks or whatever that might be. So tactically, that's how you would, you could, you could orchestrate that. If you wanted to go a little wider, um, and I'll, I'll shorten the answer here. You could do some dimensional mailing, right? And so if you have 10 accounts or 12 accounts, let's use 10, you grab three personas at each company. And in that video, you tee the marketing person up to say, Hey, Logan, Blake, and Isaac, uh, I love, you know, we love what you guys are doing. We, we found out that you guys might be searching for a solution here and we'd love to invite you in. So you could send three different dimensional mailers, a 10 by 10 perforated seal to each of the C-suite. And super tactical, but it stands out and nobody else, or not very many folks, are are doing that to try to solve a problem. Right. So that's another yeah. tactical way to start it. Go yeah. On. Man, I love that. Anyone who follows any of my content knows I'm a big believer in video. I love what you were saying there. If you're gonna incorporate someone from the C suite from one side or both sides of the partnership before you execute mm-hmm. this ABM play, make it super easy for them to just record the content, do it on Zoom. You could do it on Riverside.fm, the platform that we use to record this podcast. If you already have that for other content that you're doing, could help you get just a little bit higher quality, but it's super easy. Um, and you could just join in with the, the C-suite member and give them a little coaching. They right. have that outline, something like that. As far as the the CTA on some of those campaigns, Blake, what are you seeing as more effective or maybe something that, that you guys have tried? Is it, um, are you bringing in those C-suite members for an executive level conversation or is it still to a demo or is it kind of a two-step process? What are you guys testing with or what are you seeing work wow. or not work really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've seen like leave the, leave the setup time kind of stuff, the basic, everything that you see on every other landing page alone and use a CTA that is like something in the direction that they want to do. Like we've, we put, skip the SDR, get to our value team, right. Um, and, or talk to our solutions team. Um, we've used, you know, uh, start paying your sellers faster, you know, something that's directly tied to the intent that you uncovered, right. Cause that's a button I want to click. I do want to click a button that solves my pain point. Right. Um, rather than one that's set up a time that serves you, not, not me. So I would say stay focused on what the customer actually wants to achieve and they'll be closer or more likely to click that CTA. I love it, man. Let's talk a little bit about, um, how you think about measuring results with, uh, this sort of play, uh, obviously yeah. with marketing and especially nearbound marketing attribution is fuzzy. It's tough. Um, with this sort of very targeted play, it gets a little yeah. bit easier, but what are maybe some of the do's and don'ts operationally that you would recommend to folks to assess at the end of this sort of ABM campaign in a nearbound motion to tell what's working, what's not, do we want to do more? of this or not. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would say 
uh, key things that we want to look out for is one, uh, was there a clear, clear line to attribution, meaning did we get suppression from the sales team? We were able to get them to not go outbound to them. Uh, same thing with the marketing team. Um, were we obviously able to come back with those meetings? Uh, were we able to generate a meeting without aggressively begging for it or just running, uh, display ads or something like that? So if, if those two are yes, um, what was the quality of our first party intent or second party intent that we were able to get? Um, could we have involved, if it's a big enough deal, could we have involved a third partner to try to get multi-threaded into three different personas that we perceive to be in the buying group? There's no reason it has to be one-to-one, right? You can easily have two and orchestrate that movement into those same same accounts. So the, the beauty that that actually happens, it, what happens is you end up with three different Venn diagrams, right? Um, and it makes your population smaller, which, you know, aim small, miss small, you can be very, very intentional. You can be very, very creative and stand out with those plays, um, which gives you a higher hit rate. So two, obviously you want to make sure that you, if there is intent, what, what happened in terms of a, you know, sales cycle length, um, what was the close one ratio out of all the accounts that were, you know, opportunities were created in. And then what's the, what was the deal size? Did adding a partner or two partners in take your, your deal size up Did it take your annual, your, your AOV up? Uh, those would be the things I would look for. I love it. Now, I we kind of went from, you know, what's the situation? What do we do about it? And then how do we measure it? Uh, we talked a little bit about the tactics of running the, the marketing side. Anything different, Blake, in this sort of play that you would recommend uh, to the, the marketing teams on how they're maybe going to give their salespeople some coaching on how to handle uh, these meetings any differently versus, you know, yeah. a typical one that gets booked on their calendar, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so generally if you're going to run the type of play that I just talked about, which is peer to peer where we're trying to get uh, a higher level person, not an individual contributor down, uh, for, a, for a meeting. Um, the last thing, the, just like you would want, if you were an executive in a company, you would not want to be drugged through three different levels of qualification. After a personal invite, it's like you kind of wasted your clout on on this whole process. So make sure you treat it with uh, not kids' gloves, but create a different process for it. Create one that you would want to be in, just like when you welcome somebody else into your house. How do you want that to look, feel? How do you want how do you want them to think, feel, or do um, when when they go through that process? Um, but what I would say between marketers right now is that you know, it's okay to not know your roles or expectations um, in how you're supposed to participate in this whole uh, orchestration. It's okay because if you you don't have a clear process, there's no rev ops that underlie this probably at your company today. So that means that you don't really know how you're going to measure it. And it's okay to be like, hey, partnership leader, I'd help me figure this out. What I know that there's value here. I can probably solve for some of my KPIs here. I don't know how. I don't want to swing in the wind. So count on your partnership leader to set your expectations and roles so that you can get really, really crystal clear. We want you thinking from a first order perspective about how you can orchestrate all the resources and and, and allocations and time and budget that you can have uh, around these things for your own benefit. So I would say get educated first or asked to. Yeah. Yeah. Ask for that help and, and just admit where you're at. Cause I think we all realize it, right. Yeah. That yeah. we understand the changes in the buyer behavior that we need to optimize the buyer journey as you were just talking about there, but we need to start it from a place of trust, which is what Nearbound is all about. But at the same time, we're still trying to figure out the how, right. The, right. the folks at reveal and nearbound.com we've, they've released the, um, the Nearbound sales blueprint, some mm-hmm. of that how and 
tactics is starting to be documented, starting to be circulated. You and I are both going to be speaking at the the Nearbound Summit. Check out that in the description if you want to get even more how-to and tactical tips. But at the same time, we're still early in this new era and we're trying to figure things out. So lean on your sales counterparts, lean on your partnership counterparts um, and figure it out together. Blake, from here, um, one other thing that was coming to mind for me, this specific play, are there certain criteria? Obviously, there are other plays that you could run, but this one that we're talking about, peer-to-peer, leveraging some video, very targeted ABM. Would you say there are certain scenarios where this works better than others, certain ACV, certain maturity of the partnership? What are some of those things you would call out here on the folks that would really be primed to take what we're talking about today and go execute it tomorrow? Yeah, so if I describe the perfect scenario for who's who this is primed for, I like this play as one of the earlier plays in a partnership where you've kind of felt each other out, you're already aligned on, you know, what the how each other make money and how you can bring value to each other and this is kind of the one of the first orchestrations in which you can bring sales on board and marketing on board in a very very small confined way that's not very ambiguous for both sides because uh, what I find to be the 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 biggest, the most challenging thing in orchestration is that we've got sales leaders on both sides, customer success on both sides, and marketers on both sides. No one knows their roles or expectations. So if we create a very, very tight shot group, then it allows us all to kind of learn together. Um, and we create wins. We create wins for marketing. We create wins for sales. So some of that is that we've already got a partnership. We're already contracted. We maybe, we maybe we've done a couple events or a conference together or something like that. And now we're trying to get to activation, right? We've already got a couple landing pages. Um, if this, the nature of those accounts, they definitely need to be, uh, on the higher end of whatever your AOV is so that, you know, rich people have friends. I always say that it's, uh, if you want to create an iterative loop of value that builds on itself where you continuously get more budget to go after these accounts, um, either from marketing or from the C-suite, wherever it's going to come from, it's going to come from results. And so if you aim small, miss small, start with accounts that if you're just 10 to 20% successful, you're still going to meet your three to one LTV to CAC ratio here. Uh, if you can do that, then that's something finance can fund all day long. Right. They'll, they'll keep doing that. And that's a motion that you do with one partner and then you can do it with 10 partners before you start to go further with it. Uh, mm-hmm. to build out the scalable model. But and to your point, right? Solve rich people problems and rich yeah. people have rich, rich that's people right. friends, right? Yes. Um, you can incorporate that in that next round, right? Of, okay, yes. now that C suite video also has, Hey, we see that you also know so-and-so over at this account, we actually just solved for them. And so you even have more direct, uh, close, what I would call near bound social proof there, yeah. right? Yeah. Because it is from, as Isaac always says, one of those nodes of trust that's yeah. closer to them. It's not just kind of look alike social proof. It's actually look alike social proof from someone who they know, right? And that fits into exactly what we've been talking about here on this show, the transition from the how economy to the who economy. It's not about just this one thing that you can do. It snowballs on itself, right? That's it. I mean, the beautiful thing about what you just said is that if you did start small, you had those 10, 12 individual videos, you should, you know, 80, 82% of customers will give you a referral. 3% of people ask, ask every single one of those accounts if they close for 
for some type of video and stitch all six of those things together. And that's what you use programmatically to, just, to send out to that longer list of lower value accounts to say, hey, look, these guys just solved for this problem. Now we package it up, we can scale it, we can push it out on LinkedIn and different channels and uh, that dog hunts all day long. Absolutely, man. All right. Well, as we round out the conversation today, Blake, I always like to ask this, this question, you did a great job of explaining, you know, why this is important, how to execute a very specific play here. How do you think a marketing leader could listen to this? They could walk away and say what Logan and Blake were just talking about. I need to go and get budget for or try to execute this. How could they try to follow all the advice that you've shared today? and still get it wrong. Where, what are some of the pitfalls? What are some of the potholes that they might not be aware of that you want to call out for them so that hopefully they kind of scoot right around those to some of the results we're talking about? Yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest for, for partnerships to monetize, a lot of things has have to come together from a relationship standpoint, the moon and the stars and the sun all have to be aligned. A few planets uh, in there, maybe yeah. Pluto as well. Right, right. Uh, one of the things, if I'm a marketing leader, the one thing I'm looking for in that partnership that I want to go and try to activate and monetize on is how I'm going to ask that partnership leader, how many calories do you feel like you have to burn to manage this relationship and get things done? Because what I want is something that we can execute on. Let's lay out a plan and have somebody who's willing to meet me and carry the you know the laboring or with me so we're rowing together instead of us trying to drag the partner along it's very hard to get to results that way so if i'm a marketing leader that's the first thing i'm looking for you follow all of our all of our instructions today and if you have that scenario where the the partner is really not carrying their weight you're not going to go anywhere quick and you'll get fed up and you'll lose buy in yeah, exactly. But we, what we want is what you said, probably two, three minutes ago, hit that back button a few times. If you didn't hear it from Blake, that's something that finance will fund all day long. That is music yeah. to every marketer's ears yes. right now. So I appreciate you walking through this. We got super tactical today yeah. in a very specific nearbound motion. Um, and I would suggest everybody, if you're not uh, already following Blake, go follow him on LinkedIn. Blake, how else can people reach out, connect with you? Anything else you want to mention here between yourself and the team at Ant Factor of where people can take next steps as they've yeah. obviously got a ton of value from you already today. Yeah, yeah. One of the, uh, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn, um, connect with me and partnership leaders. Um, you know, I'm a solutions partner for or services partner for uh, Crossbeam and Reveal, uh, one big party, all, all the overlap data. Um, the other thing that we're doing is uh, we're launching, we're in beta right now with a solution called Partner Go to Market AI that helps produce uh, content in its finished form. So if you're out there and you're a partnership leader doing partner marketing things and you wanna be able to do that on brand for the exact purpose that you need it to do, recruit partners, tell the Better Together story, activate, set up those emails, those agendas, um, visit me, just message me on LinkedIn. We're gonna be releasing the beta signup and we already have a couple big companies in there testing it out and running it. So uh, we're happy to introduce it to you and give you a demo. Oh man. Well, you just laid that out and you didn't know I'm good. That's what we're talking about after we end the recording right now, uh, <laughs> for folks listening to this, know that I'm moving, uh, currently at teamwork.com from our head of partnerships role into a marketing role that is focused on evangelism, nearbound and co-marketing. So that really piqued my, my ears just then. So if you haven't already connect with Blake, ask him about that. Really cool to hear about the beta. I know I'm excited about it. So I bet you are as well. Um, as always, thank Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week on Nearbound Marketing.